Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Ernesto Contreras, and I just wanted to share the special 77th episode of the... Shoot that shit. Don't worry. Shit the shit. You'll get the shit. I believe this shit. Hey, what's up, you guys? Again, my name is Ernie C., the Gaptooth Genius, and um, this is my 77th episode of this thing that we call a podcast. Um... It's about 6.30 in the morning on Easter Sunday. I hope you guys are having a great time with your families. I hope you guys are making more memories today. I hope you guys are having um, great food, great blessings, great memories. You know, another year to celebrate with those who are important to us. Another year to reflect on what's important to us. And um, I'm not usually being on sharing a lot of my family stuff a lot of my my um my cherished memories but this is the podcast and i like to say this is my therapy i like to say this is my exclusive into what we got going on i don't know how many people actually give a fuck but i do and i felt like today's a really important day Today's a day that I've thought about several times throughout the last 10 years. And it's it's here, unfortunately. And I don't know if that's a bad thing. I don't know if I should continue always thinking every year that passes by that, that this, my grandpa has passed. If it's, if it's really a bad thing, or should it be a celebration of the life that my grandpa lived and the life that my tata uh, left for us his memories his his legacy his his impact on me maybe it's not a legacy to you guys but what he meant to me and hopefully what he meant to a lot of people my family my cousins my aunts um uncles all that good stuff April 4th, 2011 is a day that I'll never forget. It's a day that uh, I realized we all could go. It's a day that I realized that I need to really appreciate those around me who I love. It's a day that one of the most strongest, hardest working, loving, legendary person I ever met in my life uh, passed away my daughter passed away 10 years ago today and um, you know a part of me is really a part of me is really grateful for the opportunity because I remember I remember being 20 years old and thinking I was a man I thought I was I figured it all out I thought I knew exactly what I was going through I thought I knew myself already and looking back on it I was just a kid looking back on it had no idea the impact that that was going to have on me I had no idea what type of man I was going to become and um yeah 10 years ago man my doctor passed away and I know he lived a long life 82 years old um Selfishly, I always say, man, I wish you had had a little bit longer with him, you know. Selfishly, I always say, what if this was, if he was here, this wouldn't be this way. But no, I think we all need to stop. I need, we need, we have to stop thinking that way. This was the way it was meant to be. This was the way that he had to go. His number was called. He always used to say, when it's time to go, it's time to go. Um, he gave us a good, he gave us a good hint that he was tired towards the end of his life. And I want to share a lot of stuff on here that a lot of people never really heard about, you know, because that's how I feel right now. That's how I, um, that's what I feel like saying. It feels right. Um, I know a lot of people don't do these type of things. A lot of people don't share their, their thoughts or their feelings. And I'm learning as a man now, I'm still 30 years old, still trying to figure it out that it's okay to to display how you feel it's okay to talk about your feelings and sometimes your pain and sometimes your happiness and um i hope i do justice you know with my dedication to my grandpa um 
I don't know where to start sometimes. I don't know if I should start, you know, when he got sick. Should I start when hit my earliest memory of him? When I think of my grandpa, I always think of him saying, you know, I'm not rich because I have money. I'm rich because I have my family. And I try to live by that a lot to this day. Um, I I try to keep in contact with all my cousins. And if you guys know me, you guys know I got a fucking thousand cousins. And it's not because these are my play cousins. No, we got... The man had about man. The man had so many brothers and sisters, and then their seeds and their family trees. And I try to get to. I'm trying to stay close to all my cousins. And people think that's an impossible task, but no, it's about the effort you put into it. And that's what I learned from him was you make time for your family. You make time for what's important to you because that's how you're rich. Um, I love my first cousin so much. You know, we all we share a grandpa. It's a fucking honor, and. Um, I just remember thought always saying that uh, my grand my grandparents towards the end of my father's life the last ten years they lived in Tehachapi a little outskirts in a place called Sand Canyon Road if you look if you guys are going we go to Vegas often so if you go down to 58 you know before you hit Mojave you're gonna see Sand Canyon Road that's where we share a lot of our childhood memories Tata uh, man the mesh I remember when we were kids. <laughs> he had this 22 automatic or 22 semi-automatic rifle and he would made you know he made my brother and I walk around just holding the motherfucking thing for two weeks just so we could learn how to hold a gun and how to not, how to load a gun properly how to unload a gun properly how to hand it off to the person um, making sure we we understood 100% that we never point the fucking gun at somebody when we're loading it, unloading it, passing it to them. Um, he taught us the right way how to handle a firearm, and I'm something I'm really proud of to this day. I feel like I don't have a fucking hundred or gun. It's not a real big deal to me anymore because I learned. Um, he was a Korean War veteran, you know, only discharged in 1952. Um, real proud of his country, real proud of, to serve his country. That was one of his... One of his things, now that I look back at it, loved it, loved it, real proud, real proud to say I served my country, a lot of my cousins have fallen in his footsteps, some are still falling in his footsteps, um, you know, 10 years, a lot's changed in my family, unfortunately, uh, you know, good and bad, good and bad, some are not here with us anymore, some don't, haven't talked to and forever, um, I don't know how he would feel about that sometimes. I know I've tried to make my peace with several of my family members um, because it's all bullshit, you know. I think we, you know, when we all die, we're all gonna be at our, we're all gonna be at each other's funerals crying anyway. So why, why keep up with the bullshit? Why keep why hold grudges now? We have so much more life to live, Lord willing. And are we just going to be negative and just hold a grudge against each other for some bullshit because we couldn't have honest conversation and tell each other how we feel? That's not something I want to do as a man. That's not something I want to be known for. So, um, you know, I've made my amends several times with a couple of my family members. And that's because I think my, my grandpa instilled that in me again as being rich in family. And that's something I hope that's really ingrained in me. I know yesterday, um, you know, I was we celebrated my my cousin Matt's birthday, uh, Easter. I guess that was our Easter with my mom's family, and it's scary sometimes, you know, because I'm over here talking to my family, you know, telling them we need to make more moments together, we need to be together, we need to take care of my grandma. It's fucking scary. It's scary to know that your family looks up to you. It's scary to know that they depend on you sometimes. Because I, I try to be there for my family as much as I can. As much as I can. I think I spread myself thin sometimes. And uh, you see the lineage... 
of, I guess, leaders or family leaders, fucking whatever you want to call it, you know, people, people depend on, that we've depended on, and to even be considered to be mentioned with them is so fucking scary because these men were men, these men were dependable, these men were hard workers, they were loving family men. And I learned that from my grandpa. My grandpa would always tell us, tell me, you take care of your brother and sister. You take care of your mom. Always. Um, I don't know if he just told me that because he knew I was going through a lot of shit at the time. Uh, you know, my parents were divorced, and I think a lot of our summers were spent in Tehachapi. And, uh,. Tata knew, I think he knew it affected me. I remember my mom telling me that Tata would call her and say, there's something wrong, there's something wrong with Gordo. Gordo's not okay. I wasn't at the time, you know, I was young. Didn't know how to handle my fucking emotions. Didn't know how to conceal my emotions. Didn't know anything about that. I was an angry, angry youth um, in my day, in my, my teenage years. I was real angry, real, real angry. And my peace was going to attach me hanging on my grandparents. And um, he doesn't know this, man. But being at Tehachapi sometimes during these, during those moments really helped me out so much. I just remember being up there. It was so quiet. And just hanging out with my tata all day. Doing shit that I fucking hated. <laughs> I would pick up wood. Fucking start fires. Dig holes. Fucking help build fences. Fucking help him with the fucking tractor. Fucking mess with tools I had no fucking desire to learn or to use. I wasn't a fucking carpenter. He loved that stuff. He was a sheep shearer. He was a construction worker. I hated all that shit. But I understood what he was trying to do. He was trying to get me ready for this world. This hard working no fucking, there's no mercy in this life, you know what I mean, it's a rough life, life could be real, real, um, the reality of life could be real rough, and you have to be a hardworking man to survive sometimes, you gotta have that grit, you gotta have that desire, and I think he taught me that, I think he was preparing me for, you know, the type of man he wanted me to be, he wasn't my dad at all, but he was my tata, and he, he, he knew, I think he knew my potential. I think he's seen it. I think he knew what I was capable of. I think he maybe knew that I'll be in the position I am now in my family now. You know, trying to be strong, trying to... I underst- And I understand now I can't fix everything. I can't be the glue forever, but I could try to be that bridge, be that, per- that, that, lead, that light that says, fuck, let's have some common sense. I think he sensed that a lot now that I'm, I reflect on it. He taught me a lot of lessons. And sometimes I'm like, fuck, man. Why did he tell me this stuff? Because I feel like if I didn't hear this, if I didn't have that conversation with him, I wouldn't be thinking the way I'm thinking. I wouldn't be, giving, I wouldn't be so stubborn or so fucking adamant about, oh, I got to fucking, I, don't, I got to squash this with my family. I got I to gotta have this conversation because, you know, that's not what I, that's not what I was taught. And uh, I know people probably say, well, you don't have to do that. But no, when you're fucking taught to put your family first and when you're taught this is all you got, no, there's no friends. He's always telling me your friends ain't nothing. You don't have friends. You have family blood. When you're taught that at a young age and it's embedded in your mind, you think you can always have that in your mind. So that's kind of what I learned from my grandpa, you know, and... uh I think from 17 to 20 years old, he's seen me grow. And I think I grew as a man because we would take care of him a little bit more. He was a little older, a little more fragile. Uh, I think when I was 17 years old, he had a triple bypass heart surgery. And it didn't go so well. I think he had like two, three more surgeries after that. And damn, uh, now that I look back at it, that really took a lot from him. That really, t- that that took a lot of life from him. 
And I think, and it's a blessing now that I look at it. I think we were really uh, aware that Tata is not going to be here forever. We were close to losing him this time. We, 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 we held on a little bit tighter for those last three years with him. And um, I know my cousin Matt's going to probably listen to this. Cousin, I remember, you remember um, I think it was the 2008 Olympic Games, Summer Olympic Games. I remember this because they're fucking doing, I think it was figure skating or something, dude. Or maybe it wasn't figure skating. What was it? I knew it had to be the Olympics. I just don't know which one it was. I think it was 08. Almost, or maybe 09. One of those two. Um, It was like 1 o'clock in the morning. The Olympics were on. And we stood the night with my grandpa at the Bakersfield Hospital. And uh, because, man, they, my uncles and my aunts, you know, they fucking were, they were up all day with my grandpa. And if you guys know my grandpa, he was a stubborn man, you know. He wasn't just going to let anybody change him. He just wasn't going to let anybody take care of him and help him get out of bed and shit. Um, there was only a selected few. So everybody was kind of just tired. And I know my cousin Matt and I, uh, about five years difference, uh, we said, we'll spend the night tonight. Why not? So um, we stood up all fucking night with my grandpa just watching the Olympic Games. Didn't fall asleep. Not one single second. And he needed to go to the bathroom. And we took him. And I just remember that look he gave us. He didn't want us to help him, you know. He was proud. He was real proud. He don't think he's ever had another man besides his sons help him use the bathroom. And we told him, nah, Grandpa, it's cool. We got you. We'll take care of you. That's what we're here for. And I remember him looking at us. I'll never forget his eyes, the way he looked at us. It wasn't like help. It wasn't anything like that. It just he gave us that. He he gazed upon us and he just he he knew we weren't little boys anymore. And I think he knew that we loved him more than he ever thought. Now that I think about it, as a man now, I'm 30 years old, I was 17 at that time, you know, he knew we were, he knew we were young men now, we were men, and our relationship changed ever since, I remember, that's, that's the day that my cousin Matt and I formed an unbreakable bond, it was built on that, that moment. We helped him in the bathroom, cleaned him and everything. And since then, he knew we weren't kids anymore. We were young men. We were his boys. And, you know, I remember um, I didn't have a car back then. So every day I would take this fucking bus right here on Virginia and Wilma Street. There's a bus across the street from the fire station. I took that bus every day. Take this bus to downtown, the downtown transit. Take another bus from the transit down to um, the Bakersfield Heart Hospital. Take about an hour to get there, maybe more, every day. I didn't have rides back then, at least not to that. I didn't want to ride. That was my time just to get meant to. Now that I look back on it, I don't think I knew at the time what the fuck I was doing, but... It was just my time to reflect and just get ready to help with Tata. Which has helped me out tremendously now as a man. Now with my grandparents now. Just staying locked in. Not to show emotions and shit. Don't do... I don't, I, I'm trying to do... I hate my grandparents seeing me emotional. Because I want them to know that I'm strong, you know? But... I remember going down... To the hospital every fucking day, yo. When he was sick. With his heart surgeries and gallbladder and you know, all this stuff he was going through. He went through a lot. Um, every day. 
I'll be there all fucking day, yo. And I knew it was the summertime because there was no school. So that's how I know the Olympics. It was the Summer Olympics. Every day. <laughs> and I remember, you know, it was my grandma and my grandpa. And I'm just in there talking to them. Can't wait till you come home, man. You know, you look good today, Tata. You know, you're going to come home pretty soon. I think this is towards the end of his stay. And, um, he told my nana in Spanish to, to get her purse. And he tried to give me, I think, a hundred, maybe $50, $100. He wanted to give me $50, $100 because he knew I was spending money to come see him every day. And I didn't take his money, man. I remember telling him, um, why are you trying to pay me to come see you and take care of you? I don't want you your money. I want you to come home. And that fucked me up, you know? Because he was so worried about me spending fucking money I didn't have. I was 17. I had no fucking job. He was so worried about that. But I was like, I don't care about money, man. I just want you to come home. We want you to come home. And I remember that. And this is another thing, another cherished memory that I don't think anybody knows. Um, at the hot hospital, and I'm sure people know this, you know, to help with your wounds, you know, they cut your sternum open and shit, right? They're doing this open heart surgery. This isn't no, this isn't a fucking in and out surgery. This is a major surgery, major trauma on your body or whatever. To help alleviate, alleviate the pain of you lifting, standing up, you know, moving the bed up and down. They gave you this bear. And this bear is supposed to be your buddy with your pain, your pain buddy, you know? You hold this motherfucker tight when you, you know, you, you getting moved. And Tata used to hold it. <laughs> and if you know my grandpa, he's a tough man, right? He don't take no shit. He don't fucking have bears and dolls and stuff like that. But, um, he had this bear, yo. He used to clutch this motherfucker. Clutch him fucking hard as hell because his chest. Hold the, just hold it tight. Like it's fucking his, you know, his love. And someone's trying to rip that motherfucker away from him and... He used to hold this bear so tight against his wound, man. And I remember when, um, you know, when he passed away. Everybody's, you know, he and Tata wanted everybody to have something of his. And I told my nana. The first thing I wanted, the first thing I thought of when we went back to the house for the first time since he, you know, we got to the funeral and whatnot. The only thing I wanted was that fucking bear. And I have it. It's in my closet right now. I'll never forget that damn bear. Because Tata, how Tata do one of the fucking worst times of his life. That was his pain, buddy. And I'm gonna cherish that thing till I die. Never gonna get rid of that thing. That fucking bear. I see once in a while. You know, I reflect once in a while, and you know, and I reflect because you never want the memories to go away. A lot of life has happened, a lot can happen in 10 years, and the one thing I don't want is to forget. I never want to forget, that's my thing, with um, my tata. I never want to forget his voice. I never want to forget the way he, just a little, just the way he ate his food. Remember him? I remember the way he used to eat his food was so unique to me. I don't know why I still remember that. His burps, 
his funny catchphrases. I know you guys are. <laughs> I remember one time I was talking about this with my cousin. Me and my cousin Rudy would listen to this. I remember we. This is like the first time we got this. You know these video cameras and shit. And, <laughs> and they said, "Hey, Dad, you want to say something to Rudy?" It is my cousin Rudy, right? I think he was stationed in Guam or something at that time. He fucking smiled. Thought the smile. And he said, look, Rudy, I got new teeth. And this guy showed up his dentures. It was the fucking funniest thing. I'll never forget that, man. It's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. He just started cheesing. <laughs> and showing off his new Curly whites, fucking dentures, and that's when I was exposed to dentures for the first time. Like, oh goddamn, those things are new. How the hell that happened? I'll never forget that. Never forget that. And it's not all sad memories, you know. I don't. Uh, these are just moments that I remember with my grandpa, my tata. My first car was some fucking Nissan Black Altima, a Nissan Maxima. It's a bucket, but I was happy to have that whipper. I was happy to have it, and um, my grandparents lived in Tehachapi, like I said. So, you know, first time with a whip, you want to make that long drive. The perfect destination was to go to. Was it going on? Tata's. And I remember going up to Tata's and surprising him. And Tata was always outside doing something, you know. And I drove up to his driveway. Always had the front. He always had this gate open, right? The entry to his property. Always had it open. I think every morning he probably popped that gate open. And um, I'll never forget his face when he see me. That smile. He was real proud. And the first thing he told me was, a license is easy to get. No, a license is easy to lose and hard to get back. Your car is not a toy. Take care of it. Don't fuck it up. Didn't tell me don't fuck it up. But essentially that shit was telling me. Gordo, don't fuck this up. <laughs> and um Another story I don't really share with people, but I'm gonna share it here because this is the STS podcast and I don't know how y'all see me sometimes, you know. I'm I'm always happy. I'm always you know, the podcast is kinda like my getaway. <laughs> But there was this time, you know, I remember going up to, to Hatchby with one of my surprise visits. And, um, I was going through it at the time, you know, I was going through it bad, yo. Just wasn't happy with my life. Don't know why. Couldn't tell you exactly why. So young, fucking 20 years old, had no idea that I had so much life to live. What the fuck you sad for? What are you struggling about? What's your struggle, you know? You don't got nothing to worry about. You got a made in the shader. And I was just young and dumb, thought that fucking life was miserable, right? Probably going through a breakup or something, something stupid, you know? And I needed to get away. So I went to Tehachapi. I went up again and um, see my tata. Hung out with them for a second. So I had my nana, of course. Had lunch. Then before I left, again, tata tried to give me some money for visiting them. Not tata. And at this time I was working at John's Grill Pizza, I think. Where the fuck was I working at? It had to be Foods Cold or John's Crow Pizza. Shit, maybe even Rusty's. Nah, it was Rusty's. I bet you a million dollars it was Rusty's. I was working at Rusty's Pizza at that time. And, um, 
And I thought that I went to go check my car out. Always did. Always check my fucking tire pressure. Always check my oil. He just did shit like that. And I remember he went in his pocket. and was trying to give me $40 for gas for visiting him. And I didn't take it that day either. I had my brother with me. Didn't take it. And I think it's because he seen my fucking gas was low when he was checking my car out. And I didn't take it. And, um, that was three weeks before he passed away. And, uh, I remember having my brother with me. He probably thought I was a fucking weirdo. But when we left, you know, he thought that we'd always stand on this hill. And he could see you leave the property. He could see you leave that area where he lives at, entering the area. It's weird. You got to see it. You got to be there to see it. You're, and everybody who's listening to that family knows exactly what I'm talking about. He could see you leave um, the area that he lived in. Old Mill Road. Never forget. Um, I remember when I uh, left, you know, something told me. Something was telling me. Something was telling me something. And I still can't figure it out. Ten years later. But. I cried all. The way down that hill. I cried all the way home. And my brother was just probably fucking. What the fuck's wrong with you, you know? I cried all the way home. I knew something. I knew it. I felt it. And um, I just remember seeing him on that hill. And he, he's been through a lot. And I knew he was tired. I think I think he told us this Christmas. Mine is Dukes were passed away. So that Christmas. I know he called my mom and said I just wanted to tell you guys. And I'm, you know, I'm getting tired. And just be prepared. Because I'm fucking, you know, he wasn't feeling well. So... And this is three weeks before he passed away. And um, I cried all the way home. And something just told me. Something was giving me a sign or something. I don't know yet. Still don't know. But. That was the last time I went to go see my grandpa at Tehachapi. That was my last moment with him at his house. That I just visited so many times that was my last time it was ever normal and I cried all the way home because I think I knew something to us some type of fucking omen sign God something hit my heart that day and I couldn't stop crying I cried all the way home and it wasn't like it was an uncontrollable sob. <laughs> it wasn't like it is now. I'm shedding some tears, but I just knew something was telling me, which I'm grateful for 100%. You know, I'm glad I got to experience that. I'm so glad I I've got to feel that. I'm glad I went up there. The universe was telling me to go up there that day. But yeah, man, I cried all the way home. And that was the last time I see my grandpa at his house, at his place. And I'll never forget, he tried to give me money again. I'm like, I don't want your money. I'm good. He tried to help me. He always tried to help me. Why? And it kind of goes into my next story. Um, According to the fucking tale... The, the 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 legend. I don't know how to say it. Um, my grandparents were old school. My mom was seventeen when she had me, and she she turned eighteen a week later. I'm February third. My mom's February tenth. Um, and my my mom, and I believe, I think it's Irene, maybe Matthew Rudy. There's a gap in between that, those brothers and sisters. There's a big age difference there. I don't know if it's 15 years, 18 years. 
My grandparents had like an 18-year gap when they had more children. So, of course, we all know in 18 years, things change. 15 years, you're a different person. Uh, my grandpa had my grand, my mom and my aunt a little bit later on in his life. And he was a different person than he was when he, the first couple kids were. The first litter of kids, you know. I think the first five kids. Good God. The first five kids were born. Yeah, Rudy, Raymond, Irene, Betty, Tony. Yeah, the first five. So the last two got a whole different side of him, you know. And um, when I was born, again, my mom was just 17. And I lived with my grandparents for two years. The first two years of my life. 1921 William Street. Never forget. <laughs> and you guys are going to trip on this. 1921 William Street. 327-2679. That was their phone number. I would call their house all the time. All the fucking time. 327-2679. And um, I would call that shit all the time. I'll never forget that to the day I die. So I lived with my grandparents for two years, man. And there's so many funny stories. I'm not going to tell on this one because it's really irrelevant. But I think I had a bond with my grandpa and my grandma. They took care of me for the first two years of their life. Of my life They took care of me The first two years Of my life So I always I guess I see it now I had a bond With my grandpa That he didn't have With a lot of the other Grandkids There's 28 of us I don't know how many Of us actually lived With them But it, I was one of them Um Just things like that man I know that As a grown ass man You see that now <sighs> And, uh, it's amazing, actually. It's crazy. It's the little things that you remember. I remember, uh, I was working at Rusty's and I got a phone call from my mom. She told me I thought that's sick and you need to come home. Something's happened to him. Alright, cool. I think this is April 1st or something like that. 2011. Alright. Talk to my boss. Real cool guy. Let me get off work. I didn't go to work for two more weeks after that. Um. Thought that was an old man, you know. 82 years old. He had a stroke. And, uh. Man, it was never the same after that. He didn't last too long after that, y'all. I remember seeing him that day. He went to the hospital, and his left side was gone. And now that I know he had a stroke, and he just wasn't there anymore. He was slowly deteriorating. You could tell his mind was leaving him, but to see his kids hug him hurt. Cause they knew And I know I know you guys knew I knew too Looking back on it I knew It was time And uh I give him a hug And uh Just tell him I love him And uh I don't think there was many options for him You know And he I think <laughs> And honestly, when he had his heart surgery and he got out of that, you know, he had one of those, um, colot- col- how do you say, colossomy bags, the poop bags, whatever you want to call that. Don't think he ever wanted to go through that again. He used to hate that fucking shit bag. Hate it. I remember one time he told me, Mijo, I hate this bag. I'd rather die than have this bag on me. He used to fucking hate it. 
I remember he used to tuck his shirts in for people who won't see that he had that bag on him. And that's only for his heart surgery, you know. So I think he knew what he did not want. And I remember him signing these papers. We knew. We all knew. It was common knowledge. He signed these papers to make sure that was never going to happen to him again in the event he ever gets sick. And uh, he don't resuscitate him. Don't leave him a vegetable, basically. He did that. We're a smart man. And um, so I know this time was going to be a little bit different than the last time. And mind you, the last three years, man, we've we've had so many good times with him. So many good times with him. And I don't regret a fucking thing, yo. He knew that I loved him. Called him all the time. I called him all the fucking time. Um, damn, I can't, I think I know. I think I remember the number to the fucking dash I don't think they kept the same number, but I forgot. I, honestly, I think I forgot the dash number. Don't know why I remember the William Street number. But I always called Tata, and uh, like I said, this time we knew it was different. The stroke really took him out. It was irreversible damage, and uh, I think we you know what. With the paperwork he signed, there was no trying to fix it. We were just gonna let life take its take its course on him, you know. And uh, I remember my, my my cousin Frank. We brought him home, and uh, we had him on hospice, and we ended up having him at uh, my mom's house, thirty nine seventeen Mitchell Street. I'll never forget. And, um, I was smoking with Frank in the front yard, saying, man, dude, it's going to be a crazy month, a couple months, because I thought, thought that was going to be here for a while, and we're just saying, yeah, a lot of families going to be here, it's going to be real busy, it's going to be real active around here, and, um, he didn't last more than three days. Again, I'm not sad that it happened. I'm not mad. I'm not. I don't even wish he had one more day. That was a, that was the way it was meant to be. That was the way it was supposed to happen. But I remember they gave us all a time to talk to him before. He was unconscious and he wasn't going to come back out of conscience. You know, that time where they're trying to make him as relaxed as possible. That's the way they try to word it to you. But he's dying, essentially, you know. He's dying. There's nothing we could do about it. So talk to him before he can't hear you anymore. And, um. I remember this. I, I didn't talk to him. I laid with him. Everybody was gone. No one knew. I laid with him. And I just told him, I just told him to thank you for always helping me out. And I'm going to miss you. And it's okay to go. I was so young, dude. I had no idea what the fuck I was saying. It's okay to go. You know? But I knew that was the right thing to say. Cause I think I think he needed to hear that. Cause I'm sure everybody else was telling him that too. It's okay to go now. And I told him we'll take care of Nana. His hands were swollen. I'll never forget his hands were swollen. And I was holding his hand. And uh, that was my last time I talked to my grandpa. I don't think he suffered a lot at the end. I don't even think he knew what was going on. I don't think he was even there, honestly. And I remember um, his hair, curly ass hair, curly white hair. 
I just remember touching his hair, just rubbing his head. That curly hair going through my fingers. I'll never forget that. And uh, I think it was like three o'clock in the morning, you know, on April fourth, ten years ago. My mom texted me. She said, "Hey, it's time. You gotta bring the kids over now." And it was three o'clock in the morning, so I remember I, I woke up my brother and sister. I told my dad, "Hey." I'm going to take the kids to mom's house because Tata's going to go. It's time. And, uh, I remember my brother and sister and I, and I'm sure if they had their own podcast, if they had, you know, they're here, they'll tell you how close they were to my grandpa. And they were. We all were. And uh, I remember we were in the car before we left, before I drove him over. I told him, don't be scared, but we're going to go see Tata right now. And that's the last time we're going to go see Tata, okay? And my brother and sister and I. We're not the most emotional people together. We don't cry together. We don't do any of that stuff a lot, you know. Especially my brother. But, um. We sat in the car for like 10 minutes. And we just cried in the car together. We all just cried together. And hugged each other and shit. Because we knew. This was gonna be our last time to see Tata, and I don't know if we still in the car to cry because we're trying to prolong, we're trying to prolong the inevitable. You know, we try to think, oh fuck, if we just sit here, it's not gonna happen. Just young, you know, we we fucking thought time was on our time was on our watch. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, and um, we cried. We got there and uh. You know the process of death. It's a slow thing, especially when you're on hospice. It's a, it's a breath every three minutes and shit. It's the scariest thing ever. Scary fucking thing. I never seen anybody die in front of me before. You know. And then, those those delayed breaths, every three minutes, every four minutes, those last breaths, the body just getting everyone in there, giving every last breath in there. And, uh, yeah, man, just, he passed away that night, and it's real shitty with death, yo, because once they get the bag, they get the body out the room, and all, everybody, everybody's gone, family's gone, this moment's gone, and you just sit in the living room where your grandpa just died, it's like nothing happened. Second got wiped out. It was erased. Like it never was like he was never there. The bed's gone. The people are gone. You're just in this room by yourself. It's crazy. It's an ugly thing, I thought. I thought that was like the worst thing ever. Like what happened? Everybody was just here, now everybody's gone. <laughs> So I remember that day vividly. Um, his funeral was beautiful. His, I was honored to carry him to his final resting spot up there in uh, the National Cemetery, which I had no idea existed until Tata passed away. Um, we celebrated him. We drank a lot. We we had a celebration of life. And that's the way he wanted it. Again, my Tata didn't die tragically, you know. He didn't die fucking a horrible, painful death. You know, he didn't have terminal cancer. He didn't get in a car accident. He had a stroke. And he went slowly, but he didn't. I don't think he suffered like 
you know, I know my fucking friends have their grandparents and they had horrible heart attacks or they had, you know, cancer or they had brain tumors. I didn't have any of that. He went, I think, as peaceful and gracefully as he can. So I'm real grateful for that and I'm real grateful for, you know, my family. And, um, And you guys don't know this, and I want to share it fast. I don't want to go too long for this. It's very fifty. It's already fifty minutes. It's Easter Sunday, so we got to get going. Um, I don't know how the fuck my grandma was able to stay two, three weeks after my grandpa died at that house in Tehachapi. I don't know if that was her closure. I don't know if that was her way to accept that he's not going to come back. I don't know if that was her way of getting in her mind that he's never going to come back again. I don't know. And my grandma, so I still can't believe she did that. She stood for two, three weeks after he passed away. After the funeral, after everything was done, she stood in Tachapi for two, three weeks after that. She didn't want anybody up there with her. Just she wanted to be by herself. And I wish I knew why. Or what was she thinking? What was she? What was she doing? How did she? How did she? Did she? How was that closure for her? They were together fifty-five years, maybe longer, sixty years. She's so strong for that. Don't know how she did it. I remember when we went back to the house for the first time, and that was that was a mind opener too, because you see what Tata went through when he had a stroke. You know, he still had his bottle of wine on the table in the bathroom. You could tell where he went to the bathroom by himself. And then Nana said that when that happened, he crawled all the way. He crawled on his knees to the couch you see it the way things were moved around that was hard to see and um I remember we went into the house we cried you know and my nana Alice told me all we have is our memories now mijo and I'll never forget that never And we, they took all his clothes and put them in boxes. Pictures, put them in boxes. Tools, gave us the tools. Never used any of these fucking tools. Hate using tools. <laughs> but I have them. And the only thing I wanted was that fucking bear. Crazy. So crazy. Grateful. Grief. I went through all this with my family. I didn't go through this alone. I'm just telling my story, my truth, my side of it. I'm sure if I had, if everybody was on the pod, they would tell some other, you know, the other way, the other ways they felt. Maybe they seen things differently, but it's the way I seen it. And um, remember the last time we went out to eat with him. Awesome time, had a lot of fun. He had his little shirt open with no white tea underneath. <laughs> Just having fun, man. And uh, I remember Tata being uh, so loving to us, always giving us hugs, and we always respected him. Tata had mad respect. Mad respect. Everybody respected him when he walked in. You knew the man walked in. So many good times with the family, man. It's not all sad memories. We have so many good memories with them holidays, birthdays, um, it gets me bummed out, but man, every time I had my birthday, Tata would, Tata would call me. I remember the last, my 20th birthday, I was in class in BC, health class. Shout out to my guy, Rob. Rob Calderon. I remember he was in, he was in there with Clax the Loke. Uh, Tata called me, got out of class. He just told me, happy birthday, mijo. Big 21 next year, mijo. We're going to go have a beer. Cool, Tata, whatever, right? And man, y'all, I'm going to tell you guys, still to this day, I'm fucking 30 years old. A part of me still at the end of my birthday for a, sp- a brief second, a millisecond. 
still think, man, Tata didn't call me, you know? Still think that he's going to call me. So, I don't know what it is. I think it's just habit. Um, Crazy times, yo. Crazy times. Grateful times. Again, you know, you look back now, 30 years old. Um, I had a long time, you know, I still have my other, my, my grandpa, I have my other papa, my nana, and my nana Alice right now, three of them, I'm 30 years old. Um, a lot of my friends don't have grandparents, a lot of my friends don't have their grandparents now, and I'm 30 still, sorry, I'm, I'm 30 still making memories with my grandparents, still making sure they are, they're okay, and still letting them know that they're important to me, and doing doing things I can to show that they're important to me and I think Tata's last lesson to me as a man in death was to show me that you have to appreciate everything that's going on right now especially your grandparents I think it was to show me that this doesn't last forever it was to show me that this this life is precious this life is short and to take care of your family and that's the last lesson he taught me was to appreciate that and to take advantage of that and at the last 10 years i think i've taken advantage of the time i had with not just my grandparents but just with my family and being a family man and being the person that people could fucking depend on and i take a fucking luxury and i take that shit with honor and I'm not afraid to fucking be there for my family. I will bend over backwards for my family. I will quit fucking DJing. I will quit fucking coaching. I will quit my fucking job just to go take care of my family. That means nothing to me. Money is just a fucking man-made thing. But family is the blood and that's in, that's in the hearts. That's that shit that pumps through us. And I really think my grandpa taught me that last lesson was to appreciate family. And I think it resonated with me a little bit different. And I'm sure everybody else has their different, what, you know, their different meaning of death or what thought the death meant to them. But I can only say what it meant to me was to say, you have to be there for family. You have to appreciate this shit. And you have to make sure you make these memories. And you could look back and say, damn, I did my best. Because when I look back now, my grandpa passing away 10 years later. As a man looking back at that young kid. He was, I was, I was so naive. I was so dumb. But it's okay because I didn't live yet. I didn't have these experiences. But now as a man, I can say, yo. And I'm glad I'm aware. I'm aware that I need to be there for my family. Especially my grandparents. And it's not all my family. I know that. But my immediate family. Fuck yeah. I'm going to be there to the fullest extent. I'm going to be there as much as I can. Um, especially being the oldest on my dad's side. I got I got that. I got that weight on me. And. I don't know, this isn't for fucking show and tell, this is the way, this is my therapy, this is the way it really is, I, I, I'm, I'm good with being that guy, and I think I, yesterday I understood that from my mom's side of the family, I'm gonna be one of those guys, and it's not just me, we have a big family, a lot of cousins that we, we all wanna be that guy, we're gonna be that guy together, and um, to this day, I think we've taken care of my grandma really well taking care of her, we helped her so much, she's been through a lot the last 10 years, we've been there for her, and I appreciate every single moment with her, I want to keep making memories with her, and I hope Tata is proud of us, we've taken care of Nana to the best of our abilities, I know we, we know we're not perfect, but we do have that thing in our family, we love our Nana, Nana is the monarch of our family now, she's the patriarch, and, um, it's so crazy how fast 10, 10 years flew, flew by. And it's scary because <laughs> it flew by so fast. I feel like I'm still 20. And uh, if there, was a, if there was a thesis to this 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 podcast. There's a, if, if anybody, anybody listening to this, if you're still here, appreciate your family. Appreciate your grandparents. Appreciate your parents. They're not going to be here forever. Keep your word. Be good on your word, yo. Be dependable. Be reliable. Be that person they could go to, but they know that your word is your bond. And I'm not going to go to my motherfucking financial details, but you know what? I'm in the position I am now because my word is my bond with my family.
And I mean that shit. And I love that shit. That shit fucking gets me off. That I can fucking be a man of my word with my family. They know when I say something, I'm going to fucking do it. And that means a lot. And I'm really passionate about that. And to my family, 10 years that flew by. 10 years have gone by. But you know what? We're not going to. That did the life. The life didn't stop ten years ago. It's not gonna stop now. It's not gonna stop ten years from now. Ten, twenty years from now, we gotta keep pushing. We gotta keep staying close. We gotta remember the past, but we have to keep building now for our future. We gotta keep. St- we gotta keep our family together. We gotta make our memories. And I know it's not a big deal. We're not gonna fucking fight. We're not doing none of that. But I'm just reemphasizing that we have. to. To stay close. Because without family we're nothing. We're only rich. Not because of a man made thing like money. We're only rich because of what we have in our fucking hearts. And through our body. And that's our blood. And blood is family. And I'm realizing that more and more as I get older. What fucking really matters. And I hope you guys see that. I hope you guys understand that. And uh. Yeah. Tata. Ten years I flew by, man. And I still cry for you, dude. I'm never gonna stop crying for you. I told myself. I'm gonna probably cry for my grandpa till I'm a fucking grandpa. I'm gonna cry for my grandpa when I'm 82 years old. And it's not because I cried because the way he he died or just even that he died, you know. I cried because I missed that guy. No matter how he went out, you know. And I'm sure y'all feel that. Y'all know how it is. People who lost their parents, grandparents, kids, uncle, fucking cousins. You miss that person. And um, I'm going to cry for my grandpa too. I'm an old ass man. Always going to cry for him. I'll never forget him. Never forget him. I think one of the weirdest things is I remember the sound of him walking up the stairs at his house. I'll never forget that sound of him walking up the stairs. But I'm always going to cry for my grandpa. And it's not because I'm sad. It's because I miss him, you know. I'm never going to stop missing him. And uh, again, 10 years have flew by. And I'm still, I still remember your voice, Tata. I still remember your smell. I still remember the touch of your your hair. I still remember your lessons. And uh, I'm still trying to become a better man every day. I'm still trying to live up to the standard that you set before me, that my grandparents and my father have set before me. I'm still trying to get better. I'm still trying to be better. And yesterday was really like, fuck, I remember after I left, I went to go put this helmet away, right? Shout out to my dear Rick, man. Um, there's this 1966 Denver Bronco logo John Elway signed. Uh, I think it was his rookie year. He signed it his rookie year. And I remember my, my I wanted that forever. And my uncle, who passed away sadly two years ago, he knew I wanted that. And yesterday I got it. My aunt gave it to me. It means the world to me. One of my most prized possessions already. I said my little speech or whatever. And I had to go put the helmet in my girlfriend's car. And I had to take a second just to sit there and reflect. Because I knew what that meant. Just that speech. Of someone they rely on. We rely on each other. I'm someone that does, helps to do that. And I'm built for it. I'm built for it. I used to stay. I used to always say I wasn't built for it. I used to stray from that shit. Not no more though, yo. No more. And uh love my family. Again, 10 years flies by. Y'all appreciate every single second with your family. Fuck friends. Friends come and go. You know, we got our homies that we love. We got them no matter what. We'll talk about our family. That's what makes us. Our blood. Family's everything. Rich in family. And, uh, hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope you guys didn't cry as much as I did. <laughs> but, uh, this is the STS Podcast. 
and this is how we do things here. I want to be as genuine as I can. This is episode 77. We're going to call this 10 years later. And uh, rest in peace, Raymond Perez, 1928, 2011. Never, ever going to forget you, Tata. Love you. And I hope uh, as much as we fucked up, man, I hope you're proud of us. And we're going to continue to get better. And we are going to get better as a family. You know, we all fuck up sometimes, y'all. And I hope you guys don't let that determine the rest of your lives. It don't determine mine. So, uh, hope y'all enjoy this. Have a great Easter with y'all family. Make more memories. Realize this shit right here. Maybe next year you guys are going to be listening to this and I'm not here. Or, um... No, we're going to be listening to this and a uh, person listening to this isn't here next year. Next year isn't guaranteed. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed. Ten years will fly by before you know it. So y'all keep grinding. Y'all stay um, stay close to your family. Stay close to whatever you love. It doesn't even got to be family. I know mo- some of us don't have families. And that's okay, you know. Um, stay close to what you love and what's important to you. Stay true to yourself and keep grinding. And uh, always support the podcast. This is episode 77. This is called 10 Years. And... Uh, Rest in peace, Tata. I love you. We out.